0: Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. That's the Giving Leader Podcast produced by The Giving Church. You can check out what we are about at thegivingchurch.com. My name is Phil Ling. I'm the founder of both. And for the last 20 years, it's been my privilege to go around the United States and work with gifted leaders. Two areas of expertise, leadership development and generosity development. See, I believe that leadership casts the vision of where you're going as an organization, but generosity is what fuels that vision. And tremendous leaders give themselves. Well, today I've got a great guest. It's Charlie McMahon. Charlie is the pastor of Southbrook Church in Miamisburg, Ohio. That's the Dayton area. This is a church of several thousand folks. He's been there for over 25 years, built a tremendous ministry. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff, including leading through tough times. Because just because you're a successful leader, a successful ministry leader, a pastor, doesn't mean you don't go through stuff. And Charlie has experience at that with, in his life and his family as well. And so we're going to talk about that. So thanks for tuning in to the Giving Leader Podcast. I'm sitting here with Charlie. Charlie is one of my good friends. Uh, Charlie is uh, Charlie McMahon, uh, Southbrook Christian Church in Miamisburg, Ohio. I always say Dayton. You're really not mm-hmm, Dayton, Yeah. But you're, yeah. you're close. To yeah. Dayton. South suburb. Uh, the... Uh, church four or five thousand on the weekend growing big church uh, you guys the building i think is hilarious because it used to be headquarters
1: ncr national national cash, cash Re- register <laughs> we, about wish, that we always say we wish they'd have left some of their money here but uh <sighs> yeah it used to be we renovated it used to be cubicle hell here <laughs> and then uh, we took all that out put walls up added an atrium and a theater and, as you know, we're and, adding something right now, and and so, still adding. Yeah, still adding. Still adding, and we'll get into that in a minute because I want to
0: tell you about wh- why you're doing what you're doing. The the whole. If I just said you're adding a chapel, that's really not. Yeah, it doesn't justice. define it.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you've been here a long time. Mm-hmm.
0: So you started when
1: you're 12. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm uh, 40 years old now. Yeah, for 92. So I've been here 27 years. It was new. It have just been planted a couple years before that. And and uh so i didn't plant a church but i replanted one because we came it was 72 people Their their uh, name was centerville christian church in an area that had central christian church and central centerville church of christ and <laughs> centerville community church so there was a marketing problem <laughs> uh, there so, so we, we changed the name it. there was a brook in the south end of our property so we called it south brook okay so just chronologically
0: how long in that because that's not where you are now, right? So you right. did relocate. So how long were you there?
1: Yeah. So when when I came, we were, we were renting a Seventh Day Adventist building. They worship on Saturdays, and uh, by ninety, that was ninety two, ninety four. We got in this bus maintenance garage of a building that we constructed on seven and a half acres on Spring Valley Road in Centerville, and that lasted until two thousand eight, and we moved to the present site. We bought this acreage. It's forty four acres. That we got at a really good price and uh, it's been good for us okay so now I'm assuming a lot of
0: churches not just you guys but a lot of churches that if they're growing and then they relocate to a bigger box more property more parking Mm -hmm. all those kind of things they often trajectory even goes quicker
1: Mm
0: -hmm. and which brings its own issues Mm -hmm. so did you guys experience that we did it didn't
1: go we 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 didn't go we didn't do this but we did this and when we got into here, the the our um. Our excellence wasn't at a level and we knew this going in for this scope of a of a building. You know, our stage when we built it was one of the largest in Ohio, like any stage. It was, it's that big. I mean, you've been on it. You've spoken. You, and it was it's, it's large. You know, it's deep and it's wide. Right. And we weren't ready for that. So we had a few years to go through. where We had to, play up to the level of our context. Uh. And so we we didn't experience that, but what we did experience is when we were in that twenty thousand, we we got we got to two thousand people in twenty thousand square feet. Wow! I don't know of another church that did that. Right? We had six services. Right. People say, "Why well, do you need to build this big building?" Oh man! Have you ever for three years I did six service I preached six times. Right. This is back before HD, and you could. But they paid you six paychecks. Yeah, yeah, I wish. <laughs> so Charlie, every time we had a service, we are yeah. going to double your salary. Yeah, yeah. So wait, wait, wait. Economically, this isn't working out. Yeah, my hourly wage <laughs> went way down, down during down. that yeah. time. Boy, that'll play with you. I, as you know, we, we didn't, when we got into this, respect what public speaking does to the human body. Right, right. And I would, I would be in a fetal position <laughs> on Sunday afternoons after doing two on Saturday, four on Sunday. And i tell people however long I live, I would have lived five years longer had we not done that. It just took it out of me. I had some of the people teaching, but most of the time right, I right, was right, doing it. Right, and, uh, But the good thing about that was that room seated five hundred. So people got to have the bang of a big church sure. with the feel of a small one. Right. If I were to do it over again, I probably would have caught on to the multi-campusing earlier. Okay. Right. Because, and it may it may have saved us from from doing all this. I don't know. But when we moved here, what we did experience was, oh, the church is too big for me now, and they would go to a church that was that that was smaller. Yes, in, in maybe the the building, but they were larger than we were. <laughs> but it was just it was just such a change for people to go right. from that room that had intimacy. It right. felt like we were at a bar, you know, seated five hundred. It just it just for us that was small, and and you came into this room now it's fifteen hundred and okay now big atrium and everything. Everybody I interview, they're all
0: successful. Use that term whatever you want. That yeah, to be, yeah. You know with the church. Uh, they're all blessed to have good thriving ministries Um, but i've learned working with guys like you for years you're all different so there's different skill sets yeah you are one of the most gifted communicators i've worked with that i think is one of your long suits Mm you're a gifted communicator here's my question so when you're doing six services because you don't get up and read you're, you're, you're 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 very gifted walking around, communicating with the audience. Did you ever get like in the fourth one and wonder, did I already say all this? No
1: question. I mean, I want to say that happened half the time. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, you didn't stop and say that I already right. say this. <laughs> right, but in right. your mind, you're thinking deja vu is happening all over again. No question. And that's why back then I was a little more reliant on staying anchored. Okay. Just so that I wouldn't veer off the map. But... The way I do it now, I don't. I don't think I could do it that accurately. We do three now, right. Which is still, right? You know, three, but yeah, that's <laughs> a different deal. Well, I never I, no,
0: I never hear whether it's podcast or anything else. I never hear anybody talk about that. You know, the yeah. art of preaching, and especially when you get into multi services. Yeah. Uh, the first time I was privileged, and I say that honestly, to preach for uh, Don Wilson at CCB mm-hmm. Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, they had six, and there's three on Saturday, three on Sunday. And it was like a conveyor belt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was so orchestrated. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, man, and I'm that's, not a manuscript guy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, yeah. I not only have to stay on time, I got to land what a plane. You got to land a
1: plane on time. <laughs> and so here's pressure. Here's pressure. So as you know, we a few years ago we launched a campus. It was an experimental campus in Westchester, which is south of here, between us and Cincinnati. Right. And I, I for a while, I was doing all five services and so in between the two here I would drive there and I'd have to be back and there were literally a couple times where I'm coming in the building and it's it's uh the bumper videos playing for me to come on <laughs> that was pressure so now as i'm going down 75 i still have moments where i think i'm going to be late i mean that's this is a couple years later i still have yeah. moments yeah so you got that tight window yeah and yeah stuff. i've met a few
0: people i'm like no i couldn't do that now i've told you i've got a friend uh dwight mason up in ohio that's in northeast ohio mm-hmm. up toward akron dover ohio uh new point community church until just recently dwight he's got about eight eight different locations but he would go in on Thursdays and preach his message that's going to be videoed to all the campuses to an empty room yeah preach it on a Thursday I I think you
1: have to be gifted to do that and I'm and I can do the same thing people because every once in a while I pull the Saturday night card like I'm uh, I have a wedding or something important like an Ohio State football game that I got (laughs) to be at and and uh, I'll I'll do that where I know I'm going to be gone a couple times a year. And I think you have to have a gift to do that. I think you're just probably good at faking it, but uh, I can do that. And okay, I, even when I watch it, I think that looked live.
0: I, say, mean, now, looked, I, I told Dwight, I said, do not ask me to come fill in and do that. I'm going to uh, ask I, you to I, do that
1: sometime. No. If it's, if it's, if it's, if if it's live, it.
0: I'll come do it. Yeah,
1: but I mean, you can. I mean, you can do it and you go, oh, and people – watch it because as you know now yeah. in these types of churches yeah. people are watching the screens anyway yeah but i, I so it's that energy you know yeah because well you got to fake that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the key to the, the key to life is sincerity once you go to fake that yeah, you got to made right set. You're set. <laughs> all right so so I, I
0: went down that rabbit hole you, so you were you came to this location um had to adjust and, and that's an interesting thing because I tell guys that a lot when they move locations, especially if they go up in size of facilities, yeah. is that the dynamics and even the culture can change.
1: Yeah, and Big what time. it looks
0: like, Big feels time. like, yeah. all that stuff. So, you, so it wasn't immediate. You guys had to figure that out. We
1: did. We had some bumpy times. We we were in the middle. I think <clears throat> I think we've changed our music five times in my 27 years here, and one of them is we knew we needed to change the music, just our style a little bit, and it doesn't matter how big that change is whenever you change music it sends ripple effects right it just does in these types of churches anyway and it did and it was it was rough you know i really admire some of our leaders who did the hard work of saying to people you're not going to make it you're not good enough you're not good enough to be on that platform uh, the, the, you know, the phrase it's, i it's, use is you have to protect the platform you do that's it and 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 then I'm not a musician, but we had I know I can remember weekends where I went, oh. And when I noticed, <laughs> we're in trouble. But I went through a period there where I felt like if I don't hit a home run, we're in trouble. You know.
0: Okay. When when folks sit down and watch this video, or they're somewhere and hear you speak, um, young guys coming along because I, I I like working with the young pastors. They often think Charlie's made it. Big church, big staff, nice facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet you do make mistakes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you ever have an idea that was just a bad idea? Saturday night services, do not do
1: them. That's, the well, worst that's what I still do. I know. But every time I'm trying to quit it, we grow. <laughs> and, oh, you know, Dayton's a Catholic town. People who are who are de-churched from the Catholic Church are used to Saturday Night Mass. Right. So it works for us, but I would never do that again. And that's the closest my wife has ever come to punching me in the face <laughs> is when I suggested it. Uh, you know? It, uh, it, but, but, I mean, she was like, no way. It's a lifestyle change. It is a lifestyle. It, it is a much bigger change than you think. Right. I remember Bob Russell saying Judy cried. Right. You know, when, when they when he said they were going to do it. And it's... It's a big change man it's it's hard to have a spiritually healthy staff, right
0: when you do Saturday nights. Okay, now let's see if you if you agree with this or not. Way back in the dark ages when I had Saturday nights in Seattle, um, and we had two, and they were very Catholic community too, so a lot of people. But there was never any energy. And I always told everybody, that Saturday's no matter how full the room is doesn't have near the energy Sunday has with the room. Is that
1: did you experience Yeah, that? it's not the same. We we built a B stage or an extension stage last year helped immensely. Like and now I am there and it has changed Saturday nights more than any other. Okay. But during football season here in Ohio you cut your losses. Big, summer when people have mowed grass and right. mulched all day. You cut your losses because they're just not going to have the same energy right. as they all got to have fun on Saturday or get a good night's sleep, and they come in Sunday. It's not—it's not the same. You got to really work at it, and it's made me get better because I am more ready on Saturday than I used to be. Just because you better be on your game to connect. Now, now the demand is so great to be vulnerable and transparent right. that you got to connect, and that B stage helped us. So it's—it's it's lower and it sticks out, and it. We kind of got our cue off North Point. It has steps all the way around it that okay. promotes this idea of – used to I felt like there was this moat right. from the castle to the – Especially the, if it's not people. as full and they're further back yes. where they sit. It's
0: Saturday night it's more of an issue. I always say we could save money by not buying those chairs in the first few weeks Because oh, nobody <laughs> no, sits no in them. Nobody sits at them.
1: <laughs> now, it's funny. In January to March, Saturday night just blows it off the top here. Right. But those other nine months, it's you know, it's like the reverse of a three-season room. You don't want to be in it this other nine months, you know.
0: <laughs> it's the Florida room of your house, the other <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, but it, but it
0: is because now that Georgia and I, my wife, we're not in a located ministry. So you know, I travel during the week working with folks, and occasionally get to preach somewhere. But we like Saturdays, yeah, because it's it's it fits better lifestyle. Yeah, you know, we're empty nesters. go to I church would. on Saturday. Yeah. i would yeah so got to dinner so you selfish people that don't want to do it i know it.
1: <laughs> i know it, but that, that that that's in all seriousness i wouldn't do it again right i would find another way for us it was instead of you know sucking it up and spending the money to raise the the money we needed uh, raise the money we needed to buy the facility to build the facility we needed we, we didn't do that It was the easy way out and then you get stuck in it and and uh it works for i mean that's the thing is right there's churches in Dayton that are shut down Saturday night. Doesn't work. It works for us.
0: Yeah, I, when I was you know? with you some time back, it was a great crowd. It
1: is. It is. It, it is. Works. Especially in when the weather gets bad, and it's not football. But that that idea, yeah, that was. And I think then the other thing that's bad ideas is I would be much more careful and rigorous in hiring. Hmm. I underestimated the hardest part of leadership is hiring. Oh yeah, it's harder than firing.
0: Oh yeah. Well. Gene Apple out in California who I've stolen a lot of ideas from years ago said uh, hire slow cuz it's hard to get rid of.
1: Them. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. So you got to make sure you did it right. It's wounds to the body. Yeah. Even if it's a legitimate hire firing right. which you hope they all are. Right. It's a wound to the body. And right. especially when you're starting out, you're a new plant and you have to do that it, it's you know the body feels it even more. And if they're visual, they're on platform. Yes, if they're visual on platform, that's right. And and I would take uh, leaders. I do agree are not very good hires because we tend to look at the best in people. Right. That's what makes us motivate people. But I, man, would I work a lot harder at hiring people than I did.
0: Um, you you made mention a few minutes ago of this. Uh, Iterations, 27 years ministry, one church growing, and you've changed music for about five times, mm-hmm. style. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that. How how do you know it's time? What? How
1: do you know where to go? Because there's a lot out there. Yeah. Uh, you could probably have a hip-hop church or yeah. you know whatever. Artists lead the way in that. I think they know when something, if you're like us, you're trying to be very much out there on the edge. They know when... This is corny. I'm not the barometer of that. Right. I would still be doing '70s rock music <laughs> if you let me. I still have dreams of a church for boomers that is nothing but '70s music. <laughs> there you go. Um, they, the artists lead the way on that. And uh, you know, I remember how popular Tommy Walker. Do you remember that name uh-huh. was? He was uh-huh. a he was a worship leader back in the right. '90s. And it was. I think he might have been the one that we that when we moved here we transitioned from that. I can't remember. Uh it would be like the church would think it's cutting edge when it 's ten years behind the times, but anyhow uh the the uh, you know the reverberations that sent when we did away with Tommy Walker music 'cause we had been so we had gotten addicted to that style of music, and the artists knew this like man, this sound is out, okay, this sound is out. And then you go through that change. And I know I know of five, it might be more that we have done. Now we're entering the phase where I've for years told them you gotta write, you gotta write. If you wanna be really authentic, you gotta write, and they're starting to do that. Okay. We had an originally written production and for Christmas, we did an original worship song a couple weeks ago. And now to me that's <laughs> like, okay, this is this this is worth it. Is you know? music style because I mean it's one of the hottest topics in church and has been for it a is. long, long time. Yeah.
0: And you know, I'm I'm an old dude, so I can remember. When they thought the Gaithers were cutting edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but as you look at the styles, is it generational or is it the style? So in other words, do 40s like certain music, 50s like certain music, or is it not?
1: It's not having well, the think how old I right? think certain ages feel warm fuzzies with certain music. Okay. But like we found here, people in their sixties love our music and it's not targeted to them. Right. The good thing about our target is a 35-year-old male, and the good thing about doing that is that people our age who have hated church all their life have finally found a church they like. Right. So they don't care. The the only thing we ever get with older people, you know, our age group and above, right. is the sound. It's too loud. Right. That's the only thing we ever get. It's not ever uh, style. Um, but if we did it, if we let our age group drive it, it wouldn't sound like it does you know it's very uh, it's funny i think it's a, i think music's the case where nobody's happy because really the way we do it the, our our 30 somethings don't they're the ones who do it right. but they don't really like it either right. it's not they they do do it what they they really want to go their way do. that's right that's right um, but we i mean we still do some Hillsong music and, and that kind of thing i'm not a huge fan of that but we do it and it seems to resonate with people. I think you do have to throw in a throw in a few K Love songs just because that's what some people hear. Okay. You know, you do. You gotta throw that in. But I'm one of those I wanna do you know, I wanna do rock music all the time. I wanna do secular songs all the time, as that as that term is used. Right. Because that's the defining characteristic of our church is we're eliminating that sacred secular line. So anytime we can do stuff that is that is whoa. Are you allowed to do that in church? I, I think we're in our bullseye. But the artists have to
0: lead that. They're the ones who know. And not just because you think you're avant-garde. Right. It's like, That's
1: right. We are going to have smoke. That's right. Because we are cool. Because it's cool. <laughs> and we've discovered we're not cool. Right. You know, we try to be cool. We we have it for a reason. Like we have that, what do they call a fog machine or something? Right. We do it for the reason for the lights. But I wouldn't do that. Right. You know, who are up to me, right. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> you know, how, uh,
0: if you were... Able to go back and listen to Charlie preach 27 years ago.
1: How's it different? I would be simpler, like I am now. Whereas now it's it's a very simple message. I, I try to take you know build tension or, or give a teaser, build tension, give some truth, give some take home. Say, aren't we in this together? And there's only usually one thing. Whereas as you and I were raised, the master of the three point outline with three points under each one, it just... Right. A lot of complexity. I remember one time a guy saying to me, and he meant it as a compliment. Boy, there's a lot in your sermons, and it hit me. Right. This was on the. This was 20 years ago, on before the information overload generation. It hit me. There's too much good in my sermons. A simplification. Be simple. Storytelling, obviously, is a right. big thing. You know? Right. Right. Well, okay. So,
0: what's the impact? Because I look at my career where early on, and you and I are similar in age, um, I got out before, because I started consulting, before media really took over, social mm-hmm. media, internet, all that kind of stuff. Now, somebody walks into Southbrook, and they could have been listening to Stephen Furtick a few minutes before they got here. That's right. That's or, right. or Andy, what he's doing in Atlanta. Right. Or whatever. So do you think of that? Does that affect I don't think. Of,
1: I don't think of that because if... No offense to them, but if they, they already listened to Stephen Furtick, right? Right? You know, now you do know that. you hey, need to build a church. You still have to build up the people who are here, right? So I, I think of it in those terms. I know I'm being compared to them, right? Um, I think the thing that that you didn't really trust 27 years ago that you do now is I trust my own voice. Hmm. The most powerful thing I can do is not the content; it's it's the conversational authenticity. In that space and now I trust my voice I trust if I'm sad I had a few weekends ago I said "Hey, we've had three deaths in the last two weeks in our family I'm sad right and and you're you're allowed to be sad here right that's more powerful I wouldn't have done that 27 years ago Right, you know, I wouldn't have done. That. I was I was raised under a teaching like Bob Russell that you, you were you were transparent, but not anything like today. And Bob was ahead of his time in
0: some ways because he, he was. was conversational. He was that's right. Because previous, what I grew up and probably you too as a kid, were the guys that had a different voice as soon as they started to preach. That's right. They that's they right. they Bob literally the one, sound different.
1: That's right. He was the one to introduce that. Introduced that. I remember I felt that's when I, if you pointed back to the moment where I felt like I think I could be called to ministry was listening to him speak the first time. Right. And thinking, he's normal. It well, was, today, now that's a given, right? I mean, you, you know, you're you not going to reach anyone with a preacher voice or um, or if you try too hard to not have a preacher voice. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. You truly have to find your own voice. Correct. And I, I think when I teach younger
0: guys, I, I say, you have a double-edged sword. Because in one hand, there's no reason for you to have a bad message. Because there's so much stuff available oh, to you. Unbelievable. You you can, as a friend of mine says, milk a lot of cows but make your own butter. That's you know, right. You can get that's a lot right. of great ideas. But at the same time, you also everybody out there has been exposed to good communicators. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, you gotta be good. I mean, <laughs> in this era, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna stand on the side of the street and and attract a crowd, which I know that's a whole debate too. <laughs> But if you if you have the podcast people, is turned off, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you if you're people are going to listen to you, know, which Jesus attracted people when he spoke, uh, you better be good because they're going to tune you out if you're not. They have podcasts to listen to. They have right. And and the the thing that is now the the interface of contact is your story. You know, right. for me, uh, I am more effective than I've ever been because I nearly lost two kids. Mm. You know, who grew up in our church and great kids. They actually both work here now. Right. But we nearly lost them to depression and and drug abuse. And so, I mean, people know that's my voice. You know, we started a ministry helping kids with pressure in sports and academics, and it comes out of that. Well, right. you think that doesn't have a lot of credibility with people because I've been open about that.
0: Well, which is the whole theme of leading through crisis, mm-hmm. because if you're going to be transparent and if you're going to be a leader and you're going to stay in the same town for decades, yeah.
1: then you're going to have crisis. That's right. The illusion that you have all your stuff together is that's going out the door. And I think a lot of us, Sherry and I included, went into ministry with we're we're the people who have our stuff together. I'll never forget the weekend in January of 2010. <clears throat> I started a series on message. Series on marriage and that Friday my my sister-in-law and Sherry had just taken Austin out to the meadows for a 30-day intervention. He had just that week nearly overdosed on cocaine and I'm talking about marriage Hmm. and I couldn't care less right about marriage you know and I had some Hmm. leaders saying that I should have been able to pay for that because I mean, it was just a, it was crisis personified. It's still, it was still, his His immune system was a 65-year-old. Wow. He was 19. Wow. And it was still touch and go whether he was going to live. And I remember, well, this is what leading through crisis is. Right, right. You know? But that becomes a part of your chips, your leadership chips. Right. And it actually does, so.
0: And it's a, it's got to be a balance, too, because transparent, mm-hmm. you know, you can't pretend you're not going through it, mm-hmm. but you also can't be the wounded pastor all the you time. You
1: can't, you can't, and you, there's, so there has to be that, like, I want everyone to have the life I have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so there has to be that. Right. So it's not without its warts and thorns, but man, I wish everyone had the marriage share and I have. I wish everyone had, I mean, I, I had, I have so many good things, good people, and I look forward to getting up in the morning. I, you know, I, I, I wish I didn't have to sleep at night, because I just I, you know I don't want to waste a minute. So, there there yeah there is a balance, and I can I can. I can present that authentically because yeah, I'm wounded. I have moments where I'm sad, but man, I wish everyone could have my life. Okay, you've been here
0: 27 years. It's been a you know, Southbrook's a great church ever a time when you thought about moving
1: yeah um, only on the days that ended in Y (laughs) Uh, you know I just I just it took me 25 years to like ministry okay I love people but I did not like ministry right so I lived a lot of years trying to justify what I was doing because I love people and I love the gospel but I didn't like being in ministry I wish I could do it for free kind of thing when it was Seriously, there were a couple of opportunities that came up, but in 2011 we had a leadership crisis here mm. and I, I was nearly pushed out. Okay. Um, it was so bass-ackwards, uh, the whole thing. Uh, had, had, had my good friend Dr. Gary Sweeten had not been in those meetings with me, I would have left. Okay. But he, he allowed me to have some equilibrium that they were crazy, <laughs> not me, <laughs> but if they, he hadn't been in there, I would, I would not be sitting here talking to you, right. there's no doubt. I was so wounded. It was it was, uh, you know. Certainly, part of it was mistakes I made. Sure, some of them out of good intentions. Some of them out of drivenness. But they were they were crazy. <laughs> they were they were crazy. <laughs> and uh, I I was if if not for two friends who came to my house, and said you can't let <clears throat> four people ruin it for four thousand. Right. And my wife said that too. I wouldn't be sitting here so yeah there have been times uh, I am the book that I want to write someday is the day I shredded my Bible hmm. where I just I had that same Bible that I used to teach for 20 years yeah 20 years from 86 to 2007 and I just had had it and I ripped it to shreds I just had had it I wish I hadn't done that because it was a great Bible <laughs> but but I just yeah sacrilege I suppose for some people, but right. I I just had had enough, and I think you're going to have more days where you want to shred your Bible than the days you want to hug your Bible. <laughs> I don't know about how it was for you, but I, I was that way. It's, so you know, I've been in ministry since '86, so 33 years. It took me until eight years ago to like I didn't like it. I, I just you know.
0: It's so, so many, What's interesting, and anybody's done it for a couple of decades, and. um and I
1: don't like
0: to use the word success, but it's got some success to it, I think can understand or resonate. I yeah, think too. that a lot don't, and when they do run into that time, they're even ill-prepared because they didn't think they'd ever have that a kind of a bad no, day. Not a bad day, a bad
1: Hey, I'm season. doing the work of God, and I love people. Right. Don't they think I'm wonderful? Right, right,
0: yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Do you uh, remember years ago there was a book called Well-Intentioned Dragons? Right, yeah.
1: Great book. Yeah, it is. Um, I don't even know who wrote it, but. I know. But the title. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's like who hasn't had the dragon? And and I think because I didn't respect how hard it was, I thought it was me. Hmm. That was my problem. Now I respect how hard it is, how diverse the skill set required is, and that is true. That as l- the larger the church grows, you, you do have to have probably more focus in how you use your gifts, but more divergence of. Of awareness and and um, just sometimes you feel like you're running an insane asylum, but and you're the crazy one, you know. (laughs) You're in charge. Uh. But but it, 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 I respect now. Like I respect what public speaking does to the human body. You know, an hour of speaking is 12 hours of work. I I believe that now. Mm. You know, we're used to. I think, what's wrong with me? Why do I have to take a nap every Sunday afternoon? (laughs) You know, what is going on? And uh, it it really is hard. These guys, the gals, they're not making it up. It's not because of them.
0: Right, right. No, it it is. It is. But it's a balancing act too, though, because without being mean to people, I work with some places where I don't think the staff understands what hard work is. I agree. It's and I don't mean just the the toll that speaking takes because not everybody on your staff is in that role, Uh, but that there is a work ethic that I don't think I always see on churches
1: and church staffs. I think I think Parkinson's Law: work expands to fill the time allocated for its completion is at play. Didn't he know it had a pithy title? it does. I think it's at play in churches. I do. I have a theory on it. I think it's at play more than we're willing to admit because it's an uncomfortable truth. And I don't think it's because people are bad. Yeah. But having gone through, a, you know, we came from Kentucky and we took a pay cut to come here. We had a building in Kentucky, we had a house. <laughs> we came here, we had no house, we had no building. Everybody right. was like, what are you doing? This is crazy. And that first decade, Half in particular, man. I don't know what hard work is, but I think I may have touched on it there because it was just—it's just your whole life, right? And now, I, I do think there are staff members here who don't understand. Right? They don't understand the cost. You know.
0: But sometimes it's seasons of life too. It is. It's season, yep. And seasons of the of the church. So, you know, right now in Silicon Valley, if you do some reading, they're having a little bit of a a war within themselves of some of these great tech companies now have people on their staff that are rebelling against the expectations of the long hours or, you know, what are are exactly all my perks going to be. Whereas the early group that were the more entrepreneurial, you know, we're we're here going to make it work. Yeah. That sure, you know, we can look in hindsight and say, well, they had stock options. Eventually, that company made a lot of money. They made right, money. right. There would be but they all didn't do it. They no, no, they and, didn't. And so then, when you go through a cycle, and now we're into, it's an established organization, and you're hiring people that come in for a role and want to know, hey, what are my benefits? Yeah.
1: And what are my hours and so forth? Yeah. Those are different questions, and when you start, they really are. And. And you have, to, you have to look, you know, in John 10 when he said, when, when Jesus said, you know, some are shepherds and they'll give their life for the sheep and then some are hired hands. And it drives me nuts when someone's a hired hand. I think everybody ought to be a shepherd who owns this place. Well, right when you're hiring the people you're describing, you can't really expect them to own it at that level. Right. Not like you do. I mean, right. our this church, our kids grew up here and in one sense, it nearly killed them. You think we don't have ownership in this place? Sure, sure. And... And somebody who's 28 and has two kids and came here on staff three years ago, there's just no way. And I i know for me, I can be unrealistic about it sometimes. That's the big shift we're going through right now.
0: Yeah, continuing on that whole staffing vein, uh, and, I, and I've got an opinions, everybody's got opinions. Um, one of the problems I think sometimes in large churches I see is they think more staff is the answer to every problem. Mm-hmm. And I always try to teach... That the success of your church is not is not judged by how many new staff you added. That has nothing to do with whether you're successful yeah. or healthy. Is that we added seven people last year. Yeah. And probably we need more people that are not necessarily the best at doing something, but they're the best at recruiting others and training others to do things. Yeah. So, like if you're hiring a children's person, do you want a children a children's person that is a rock star? With four feet in underground, or is a rock star with parents that love kids, because they recruit that's fifty right. of them and train fifty of them and feed that's, fifty that's of it. them. That's it. It's different. But in in church world, what we often do, music stinks. We got to get a really great musician, but is the great musician also good at attracting other musicians, mm-hmm. and training and feeding and key. caring and and so forth? So yep. it's harder. It is. And and the and then the other side, it's, which you may not agree with at all, um, you can hire staff, and then you can also hire 1099 contractors that do a function, but they don't necessarily work 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm.
1: And and we're doing a lot more, and we
0: we we push everything into a 40 50 hour mm-hmm. box, yeah. and maybe it
1: doesn't require no that. no. Um, now, what I would say to, to to for emerging leaders to be on the lookout for, you just described it perfectly as far as be developers not doers be ranchers not farmers is we had that value and let it slip away Mm. and so just because you have it today if you don't keep building into that because it's harder work to develop people right right it's easier sometimes just do it just mow the grass yourself and try try to teach your 10 year old how to do it and it's harder to develop people You'll lose that if you don't stay on the entropy of that value all the time. We did. Up to about 2005, 2006, we were really good at having leadership events where people were empowered to empower people to empower people to empower people. And then for some leadership issues, we lost that. And we're just now restructuring to get back to the Exodus 18 model of decentralizing leadership and getting back to people development and people care. So we're going to a model that is you're a generalist first and then you're a specialist second. Instead of now, it's you're a specialist first and a specialist second. Because of of
0: my world, you know, I always deal in leadership and generosity. So in the generosity space, let me say something, see if you agree. Um, I think there is a crisis coming in North American church where churches are going to start to crater Not because they're out of people people still there but the budget keeps going lower and lower because we have spent two decades creating consumers more than stewards Mm -hmm. so they consume they like the product if they like the product they hang around for a while maybe give you a few dollars but with not a lot of brand loyalty not a lot of owner loyalty it's uh, done the sample churches like smorgasbord's you know you, Mm -hmm. you, you move around use different pieces so there's got to be an intentional plan. So if you look back over 27 years, uh, how you teach about generosity, how you, how often, how you do it, has that changed?
1: It has. I still do one a year, one series a year on, on financial issues and generosity. We definitely changed our language from giving to generosity, which has been a trend, and we followed that trend. It's changed uh, now. I mean, even what we were talking about earlier today— now it's just so strongly has to be relational. Right. Um, the idea of, of days when you could teach on tithing and people out of the, you know, rabbinic authority of the word, they would say, okay, I'll do it. Right. That day's done. It's got to be all relationship. And as you know here, the money we've raised has been so largely leveraged on trust, relationship, relationship, trust. Right. One of the things you allude to so I
0: want to brag on. It. Uh Southbrook, you had this physical plant that you had to come in and take over because it was a mm-hmm. corporate offices and, and make it into your space. And then about four years ago, you went on this, this trek to redo a lot of your facility. Yeah. To make Almost it, all of it. Multi-venues in one site. Mm-hmm. And then you added what you, I'll call it a chapel, but it's much bigger than that. Yeah. So give me the give me the elevator speech yeah. on the chapel, why it was important, what it is you're going to try to do with it.
1: Well, so what they ended up calling it, our marketing team did this whole research. They call it the Reverie, which is the dreamlike state. So what it is, it's a center with a reception area, atrium, chapel, but it's not your your father's Oldsmobile chapel. I mean, right. as you know, this thing, whew, I've never seen a church have one like this. Right. And the whole point. In one phrase, it's a significant event center because we'll have corporate outings there. We'll have weddings. We'll have funerals. And, and it is those critical intersections of life center. And it is its own separate 501c3. Okay. It is a profit venture. It's the model for how, because we believe that a storm is coming. Right. Financially. When all the boomers die. Right. There's going to have to be a different way to fund the church than through the bag on Sunday. And so this is this is going to be one of our funding efforts. We're, we're going to work real close to doing it debt-free, $7.5 million. And uh, as you know, we've built probably $11, $12 million worth of construction for seven and a half. dollars it And then it's the model for the sports center called the Players Box that we're going to do in a few years. We intend to do it. Same model. Right. Same model. Right. Which – you and I have a mutual friend, uh, Brett Andrews. Yeah, yeah, Virginia. Off of Brett, that's right.
0: They, right now, they're very similar 500, model. Five hundred thousand people a year going through there. So, yep, yep. Um, it's amazing because I, I think, and what you guys are hitting on, and I, I love that you're doing it with the Reverie, although I said it's like Astro's dog on George Jackson trying <laughs> to say yes. that word. You know, <laughs> I, it's because I just call it the Chapel, but, but it's <laughs> more than
1: a chapel. I know, I it's know. This, yeah. But, it, but
0: it, it's, and I are the people that are listening to us. They can. we'll, we'll try to put some pictures of it up. Because it's... Uh, it's beautiful. Thinking through the whole wedding experience, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the, for where you got cable shows that are say yes to the dress and all that. So yeah. you know, those people come with that expectation. And you've you thought through that, the reception area. Today, you've got a huge funeral for a Major League Baseball guy mm-hmm. that passed away young, yeah. and they're here. And so that kind of thing will be in that yep. space, yep. which are touchstones for unchurched people as well. They are. Getting married, getting buried. and and where do you intersect with the church and so when when we talk about large church builds a chapel um, I think you're one of the few that I I've seen really think it through how do we spend millions of dollars to not just take care of a need man it'd be nice to have a chapel Mm -hmm. but give us a different
1: front door that's it and that's the key is it's 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 the very minimum a front porch to our community we do events well. It's one of our strengths. Right. I know we're one of those evil churches that we attract people. <laughs> but we do them well. We I mean, we are really good. Just I mean, just from, from soup to nuts, we're good at the hospitality end of it, everything. And, and so we said, we're going to leverage that. We still need to get good at these other things, but we're going to leverage that. So it leverages what we're already really good at. Right. And doing uh, for me, doing weddings and funerals, for example, is one of my strengths. It's just one of my strengths. I'm, I'm, I'm just. That's probably if I did nothing else and I just did weddings and funerals, I'd probably have an impact. Now we have a context for that that is off the charts. I hope I hope people who are listening can see it because it's crazy. I would do the funerals first weddings are not nearly as attractive No, if i can just show up for the wedding well, well here's the funeral deal. director does all the work on the funeral. that's See, true i mean but here's it, the deal now in the weddings and i'm just i'm just pulling rank here i'm not doing rehearsals <laughs> and i'm not doing receptions i'm literally down right right I'll sh- i do the wedding yeah <laughs> you know because you're you right you are it's, the it's rock t- star wedding <laughs> pastor yeah man i'll come in and i'll do it and i'll do my best job but man i can't give two days to your wedding <laughs> You know, I can't get two days. Uh, yeah, I, I that. Especially, true. we already do Saturday night services too. Right. So you already, I mean, it's, and it's not it's like they want to get married on Tuesday. No, no, <laughs> no. It's that's a weekend. It's a weekend. Yeah, so gonna, you know, it's it's really it's really neat because we wouldn't. There's there's just a lot of reasons why this vision came about, but it was just leaning into what we're already good at, leaning into an air. You know, people it they spend a lot of money on weddings. Sure, it's crazy. I know. Why not? You know, the devil's had that money long enough. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we, you know, leverage that? And then, and then it becomes such an attractional. Are you kidding me? This is a church building?
0: All right, right? La-
1: last one. Last last
0: one is because we've hit on it. So when you did the facility, because you guys did a, a $12 million plus makeover of the whole facility besides adding the reverie. Um, but you're going to end up with your main room. You've got the other venue space yeah, the small theater small mm-hmm. theater holds about 450 and then the chapel hmm and what three three fifty three fifty mm-hmm. Once you start and using then the those, other
1: one the reception hall, which holds about five I forgot about Yeah, it. yeah the reception which is gonna be the best room of all of them They
0: say so, so your building could have four different venues mm-hmm. in the same yep. facility. Yep So if that comes to pass how you use it that way will they all be videoed the same message how will you do that? Or will we they all don't be the same know. or if different? If we
1: did it today, yes. Okay. But we're raising up some new leaders that need to create new intersections of of life with gospel. So if I answer that today, yes. If I answer that six months from now, I may have a totally different answer. We do know we're going to launch something. It's low hanging fruit. Something on early Sunday morning on in the in the chapel itself. Okay. But we don't know what. You know. And you were the one that really opened my eyes to that because, you know, you'd been with us when we tried some experimental stuff with the Liberty Campus. Right. And you say, hey, remember the reasons that a lot of these churches are doing this multi-campus thing is they don't have 44 acres. Right. (laughs) You know, and we did. You don't have, you know, 150,000 square feet. And parking. And we do. And parking. We have parking. parking. We we do. And uh, it's a really neat building, isn't it? It is. It is. And we have that. So why not? Why not do multi-sites
0: on one campus? And I wanted to hit that because I know a lot of folks that are watching and listening, uh, everywhere I go are multi-site. I matter of fact, I don't yeah, know how yeah. if I have a client that doesn't have multi-site. Yeah. But they're all different. That's And right. how they envision it. Sometimes it's live teaching. Sometimes it's video. Completely different locations, of course. But the rethinking of what if you did multi-site on the same campus? Right. And, and Dayton's not very – I mean,
1: anywhere in Dayton you can get in 15 minutes. Right. So that – Right. You know – then that makes sense because it's really we're right off the interstate. It's really easy to get here, etc. So it's if, not that we won't do other campuses in the future, but right, right now, no.
0: So if you launch it and it fails, we'll do another podcast. Okay, <laughs> <That> sounds good. <laughs> because that's the stuff that's really valuable, right? <laughs> what well, we say after we fail. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite things this week is somewhere uh, maybe it's my son told me this, but it, or is a interview with Jeff Bezos, and he was talking about Amazon, and the phrase was "never be afraid to fail," and he listed all the things they tried that failed. Yeah. You know they, they launched their own phone it was called Fire or something and it didn't do yeah. well and and I think sometimes in ministry we forget you launch something you try something if it works great add fuel to it right. but if it doesn't work quit beating it
1: cut the fuel line off. <laughs> and that's the you know you get to you know the big stuff right now with closed mindset open mindset open mindset is you're willing to fail it's huge because you fail most of the time. Right. Right. I mean, you do most of the time. You're not. Hey, hey, we're great. I mean, it's not that way. It doesn't work that way. Right. I, on the way in, I saw the the
0: mural just down the road with the Wright brothers. Yeah. Two guys. Yep. And if you read their story, which is fascinating, which because David's story interlined yeah, with that yeah, is that's amazing. Yeah, right. but uh, you know, uh, they Dave, failed a David lot. McCullough's book on that. Was phenomenal. It, it, I, you know, I grew up in Ohio. I didn't know that stuff. So. I didn't
1: either. And honestly, I never loved Dayton until I read the Wright Brothers story, and then I just like I fell in love with Dayton because it's such a story of grit and perseverance. It made you want to go get a bicycle. It, it did. <laughs> it really did. Because <laughs> they started with that's bikes. That's right. You know, it's crazy. And and that's ministry. You know, you about, talk about the only brilliance is grit right. in ministry. Right. That's the only true talent that matters at right. the end of the
0: day. Is can you stay with it? Yeah, some, some of the guys that I, I won't mention their names, but that I have worked with through the years that I love. And they're successful. They really do a great job. But it's not necessarily a church I'd like to attend. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah. work really hard. Were, yeah. And as uh, I can't remember who said this, but it takes all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people.
1: It does. That's right. Um, that's right.
0: So, well, I, first of all, thank you for yeah, hanging out with you, me. Thank you, brother.
1: And you are a good thank man. You. Thank you. And uh,
0: it's good to be with you always. We are going to have at least three people. Watch this. Okay. Good deal. And <laughs> their lives will be changed. Exactly. Thanks for listening today to the Giving Leader Podcast. Uh, as always, make sure you go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to ours. The Giving Leader Podcast is produced by The Giving Church. You can go to thegivingchurch.com, download our free book, see what we're up, up up to, who we are. My name's Phil Ling. I'm the founder of both. And I spent the last 20 years traveling around the country working with leaders. in their are two areas of expertise. Leadership development and generosity development. Leadership casts the vision, generosity fuels the vision. That's what we're about at thegivingchurch.com. And thanks for listening to another episode of the Giving Leader Podcast.